Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh. This is episode number 42. This week on the episode, I have Luna Aura, and it was a great conversation that I had with her. Um, I just recently found out about her, so it was super cool to talk to her, kind of, you know, learn about how she got started and, you know, the the vision she has and all of that. Um, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation as well. We talked about, uh, you know, getting her name from a comic book character. Uh, we talked about her new EP that's coming out on October 2nd called Three Cheers for the American Beauty. Um, we talked about her new single, Honey. We talked about coming up in kind of a sheltered, um, you know, childhood of sorts and, you know, finding her voice and finally feeling empowered uh, through music and just being able to pass that along through her songs and and the energy that she provides. Um, It was a great conversation. I think, again, you guys are really going to enjoy this one. So without further delay, let's jump into my conversation with Luna Aura. So um, we will start off with the same question that you get asked every single time in an interview to start it <laughs> off. And that's simply um, your name and a little bit of background on yourself, you know, how you got started in the industry and things like that. Um, yeah, well, my name is Luna Aura, and uh, I got that name from a comic book character called Luna Maximoff. Nice. Um, she's a part of the X-Men series. Yep. Uh, and she kind of has this, I liked her because she she didn't really develop her powers until later on, and then she has this uh, this power to essentially the powers or a vision, which is the ability to see and feel what other people are feeling and then manipulate that to whatever she wants it to be, um, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I took that name, um, and that was about seven years ago. So I started this project, yeah, about seven years ago. Um, it started out as a pop project. Uh, I started it when I was, you know, pretty young and I didn't really know exactly who I was or what I was doing, but I, I knew I was, you know, good at songwriting and, um, I loved pop music at the time. And I, I mean, I love pop music always, but right. <laughs> I, I kind of had the ability to write pop music. Um, and so I kind of just threw myself into the industry and, and really started taking a career seriously because I was starting to kind of uh, achieve all of these things that I never thought I would be able to achieve. And it was sort of growing and turning into something. So um, I really just kind of threw myself into it. Uh, but the new music now is definitely very different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a different sound. Um, but I think I can attribute that to just growing up. Um, and learning myself and and learning my voice and what it is that I want to say as an artist. Um, So just, you know, just recently this music now is is probably the most authentic uh, version of myself. But, I mean, I've been doing the music thing for a long time. I I can't remember a time that I wasn't, you know, playing shows or writing songs or, um, yeah, or anything. Yeah, yeah. awesome. so thinking back, you know, kind of what is your earliest memory you have as far as like 
this may be something I want to do, or I may actually have a hook for this? Um, well, so I started singing when I was about three or four, and I started writing music when I was ten. Um, just, like, writing little songs in my notebooks, and then uh, taught myself guitar. And by the time I was, like, 13 or 14, I was going out and playing, you know, coffee shops, playing at bars, you know, trying to book shows. So um, it was definitely a dream of mine for the longest time. But I think when I first kind of had the idea of it in my mind, obviously it was a very, like, adolescent picture of what being in the music industry was. Right. Like, I, I'm pretty sure I wanted to be, like, Hannah Montana or something. But um, <laughs> but I, I think what, what kept me in it was um, just that I was, I was actually, like, doing things. You know, people were booking me. I was actually, you know, opening for bands that I never thought I would open for. And it just started growing and growing and growing and kind of, like, you know, took on a mind of its own. And, and I was like, okay, yeah, no, I could actually have a career at this if I really, really wanted to. Um, and so that's kind of where it all stemmed from. Awesome. Um, so kind of as that all began for you, um, let's talk about before we get into the newer music and stuff. Um, I think, you know, you starting so young and doing a lot of it kind of DIY is a great talking point for fans that um, are maybe interested in it themselves. Talk a little bit about what it what it was like to try to book shows on your own and and what went into trying to build your own name at that time well um lucky for me i had a mom that was like a firecracker <laughs> she was just like uh do you want my daughter to sing here do you want my daughter to sing there i mean she was like you know having a, a support system behind you is also you know very helpful but um for the most part when i started kind of booking my own uh shows you just really have to kind of invest in your community because i came up in arizona and I, I hit a ceiling in Arizona before I ever came out to L.A. because I told myself, you know, if I'm going to do it, I need to prove that I can do it here first. Right. Um, and so I was just really, really involved in the music community um, in Arizona. And I, I think when you're involved with your community, you it opens so many doors for you to be able to work with other people because there are other artists that are just like you that are starting out that want to do something and, you know, want a chance to work with people. And I think that working together and growing together is the best way that you can go about being a fresh new artist. Yeah, I would agree with that. And Arizona has kind of been home to some pretty awesome uh, artists over the years. So it's not a bad starting ground for anybody. Yeah, definitely not. And I mean, like Arizona, Indiana, I mean, it doesn't really matter where you are. I think you know, there's, there's always going to be artists where you are. There's always going to be creatives and, mm -hmm. you know, knowing when to not only ask for help from other people around you, but also knowing when to help other people and, you know, kind of put yourself out there and, and just be a part of that creative community wherever you live. I think that's the best way to, to go about, you know, being an artist that doesn't necessarily have you know a label or a massive following or you know a huge budget for things yeah absolutely and i mean um speaking of kind of the indiana side of it just about oh probably about 40 minutes away from where i grew up the lead singer of the ataris actually grew up there so 
cool. uh, the Ataris were starting out, you know, when I was in, in school. So I kind of got to see them, you know, climb the ranks and, you know, they're kind of pop punk legends in a sense. Um, so it really doesn't matter where you come from if you're willing to put in the time and effort on it. Exactly. Yep. I mean, you look at like people like 21 Pilots who are from Ohio, you right, know, right. <laughs> and they just, they exploded. And I, I think too, a lot of it is, is just making sure that you're being true to yourself and that you're not like, I always tell people, uh, I call it frog eyeing when you're like constantly looking around and looking at what other people are doing um, and kind of basing the things that you do off of that. I think it's better to just kind of not care what anyone thinks and just go for it and do you because like the Ataris, you know, if they had followed someone else's path, they would have never ended up being who they are. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a, a great kind of uh, point and, and phrase to use on it. Cause I, there are a lot of artists that I see in my local music scene. Um, I do concert photography on top of doing the, the podcast and things like awesome. that. And there's a, a lot of artists that I see that'll like play a show and then they're down because they didn't do quite as good as the headliner. And it's like, but, but you're not the headliner, you know, like they're, yeah. they're a different sound. They're, they're doing I something love, different. I love being the opener. It's so, it's like so much less pressure. I feel like, because you're not, you know, you're not the big act, but you're also kind of like the person that gets the ball rolling, Yeah, you know? So you're the one that's like getting the party started. And I think it's just so much more fun that way. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I definitely can see that. And, you know, I've, I've even actually said something similar to a couple of my band friends where it's like, yeah, you guys may be the opener, but like if you don't go out there with high energy and, and get things going, like that band maybe never asks you to go on tour again. You know, but right. if you're out there, I mean, and you're like you're essentially it. the lube yeah. for the situation. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you're supposed to get everyone juicy before like the big act comes on, and I, you know, and I think a lot of people too, like, well, I know that when I was growing up, I was just like, oh, I'm always the opener, I'm always opening. Why can't I ever be the headliner? And I, you know, that's just like kind of an ego trip that I think people go through. Um, it's more of like an adolescent thing, right? But. Uh, but there is now I realize there's like there truly is such a beauty in being the opener. Well, it's, like, a, it's like a way more fun position, I think. Yeah, like you said, I think I think there's less pressure, you know, especially if you're playing a bigger show, a bigger capacity room or whatever. Like a lot of those people may not have heard of you. So you get to go out there and make an impression on these people, ideally a good one. Uh, but, you know, you get to go out there and just have a good time without having to feel like, you know, as a headliner, we have to be pretty much dead on every single night. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like, um, I used to do a lot of work with Yellow Card back in the day, and I was talking to Ryan Key, the lead singer, and they, they used to have to specifically schedule their tours based on his voice um he can sing like three days in a row and then he needs two days of rest that's just how he is and so like you know he talked about that the the level of pressure that on night three or if we have a longer longer run like my voice may be shot and then i feel like i'm letting people down right yeah it's yeah. crazy oh yeah I mean, I, I'm still kind of in the opening phase right now, but I'm enjoying it at this point. 
Well, and I, I think, um, you know, like you said earlier about kind of embracing it, you know, if, if you embrace it in the sense of not accepting it as this is the highest I'll ever go, but embrace it as this is my role right now and I'm going to kill it so that people want me to have the longer set and I'm just going to keep climbing up. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, you want to be, I love what, what, who said it, Marilyn Monroe. She said, you always got to leave them wanting more. Yeah. Yeah. And you do. It's a, it's a great way to be a new artist is to open for other artists, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so speaking of Marilyn Monroe, I think that's a pretty good segue into kind of some <laughs> of your, your musical uh, ideas and messages. You're, you're very empowering, uh, especially in the, the female community. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, we've talked a, on a brief moment about how you're feeling like this is the more authentic side of you. Talk a little bit about, you know, what goes into that level of empowerment. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I wrote this EP during a time that I was, I was kind of, you know, coming to age in my own, like, mind and in my own heart um I grew up in a very essentially like a closed-minded environment um was, was very religious and so I think I was I was sort of a late bloomer as far as like being a female is concerned right. <laughs> and like knowing like how powerful I actually am um and and understanding that the things that I learned when I was younger were you know was a form of conditioning and um especially like through the media as well mm -hmm. um there there are so many things that i think women in this country are told that they can and can't do or what they can and can't be what they can and can't say and it's kind of all it's in the form of all these like little tiny little pretty bow rules like social rules that just exist and we have to follow those rules and I think when I was writing this EP, it was during a time that I was, I kind of realized that I don't know, I don't know what happened. I, I was just writing this music and I had so much to say and had no idea where it was coming from. Um, and so I had to ask myself a lot of questions like, okay, well, what, what's going on? Like, what is changing with you right now? And I, and I realized that it was me finding my voice not that I didn't have one I always had one I just it was me finally starting to listen to it right and and take it into account um and it turned out that there was a lot of rage inside of me <laughs> <laughs> a lot of female rage but um yeah no, so I, I kind of bottled that up and, and wrote these six songs and um each one of them sort of personifies a different like social pressure or cultural pressure that had been put on me as a young girl um and the things that kind of manifested into these demons that i had to fight later on in life um a, a lot of it being shame uh for you know being a sexual person or or shame for being too loud or you know shame for taking up too much space uh and this ep was kind of me it was a cathartic experience for me to kind of let go of all of those rules and all of those conditions and all of that bullshit and be like, no, I'm allowed to do whatever the fuck I want, whenever I want. Right. <laughs> and like, I need to stop putting these rules on myself, you know, because they're not coming from me. They're coming from somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. And I forget who I was talking to, but speaking of the kind of that self-realization and finding your voice, um, 
I really can't remember who I was talking to, but they said the, the moment that that happens, it almost feels like everything you were saying before you were reading out of a book. And now mm-hmm. when you find yourself, you're telling a story. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's exactly how it feels. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so you've uh, got the new EP, Three Cheers for the American Beauty, uh, coming out in early October. Uh, the second, I believe. Is that right? Yes. October 2nd. Awesome. And uh, six songs. So far, you've dropped three singles? Yeah, so I dropped a couple last year, um, just sprinkled like one here, one there, you know, just kind of putting it out there, getting the feelers out. And then uh, I just released Honey. Mm -hmm. This is the first single leading up to the EP. And then I have one more single coming out in September um, called Talking to Me. And then the EP will come out October 2nd. Awesome. So um, for some of our listeners, they they follow, we have a playlist um that you saw that you uh joined the ranks of last week um called weekend waves so honey made that playlist last week so we're definitely a fan there um tell tell a little bit of the story there there's kind of an interesting deal with the lyric video and all that sort of stuff so tell a little bit about honey yeah um so each of the songs on the ep uh works in tandem with a short story um so for example, Honey is sort of the soundtrack for the story of this girl named Anna that I've created. Um, and Anna is a young girl in the 60s who lives on her parents' farm in McKee, South Carolina. And uh, she's kind of like a church-going girl. Lots of rules, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, Sounds familiar. Not, not, not really, not really uh, at a point where she's kind of found her voice. Uh, and she is unfortunately sexually assaulted and kind of like holds it inside for a long time, doesn't tell anybody, um, but eventually gets to a point to where she breaks and she decides to kind of handle it on her own terms, um, which I don't want to go too far into detail because I still want it all right. to be sort of a surprise yeah, later no, on. Totally but- fine. Um, yeah, but that's kind of an example of a storyline that, that goes with Honey, and um, and each song will be like that. So each song will have its own story and its own female character that deals with different uh, a different issue, and all of the issues are, are essentially different, you know, cultural pressures or societal pressures that get put on young women in America. Yeah, awesome. And then uh, for the music video or the lyric video, you kind of did that all on your own, right? Yes, I did do the lyric video on my own. It's been fun um, learning how to create visual art on my own because I've just never done that before. I've always worked with other people. Um, But it's it's definitely this quarantine has pushed me to, to learn new skills and kind of extend my creativity beyond just music and, and so far it's been going well <laughs> so <Right. laughs> which is awesome I wish I would have started a long time ago now but um <laughs> but yeah no I, I did the lyric video myself um I each lyric video I think is gonna is gonna kind of embody the story of the girl so um Anna for example is a writer and so, you know, in the lyric video, you see a typewriter and you see books and yeah. 
um, it's kind of just this like aesthetic uh, that goes along with the storyline. Awesome. But I just shot that with my camera and edited it. I don't know. <laughs> but it, it, it is kind of crazy, though. Like, now that everybody's quarantined and you can't be out on the road or even just locally playing shows, like, it's amazing what you can learn on YouTube for free. Yes. It's incredible. There's so much. Like, why does anyone go to college anymore? <laughs> right. Like, unless you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or, I mean, well, Lord knows we don't need more lawyers in this world. But, right. Um, yeah, unless you're going to be like an engineer or a doctor or, or something crazy like that. It's like, don't even go to school. You have YouTube. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, honestly, when I started this podcast, I luckily I know a lot of people in the, the industry. So I hit up one friend and I was like, hey, man, I'm kind of thinking about doing this. Like, what do you recommend? He gave me some gear recommendations. But everything else, I learned GarageBand from watching YouTube. I learned, you know, all these different tricks about everything just from watching YouTube so that I could be kind of self-producing everything. Yeah, it's amazing. And something else that I found is called Udemy. Okay. Um, Udemy.com. And basically, it's just people that are experts at whatever it is. Um, They post their own lessons online, teaching people how to do things. So um you know they have like social media courses or they have you know production courses or pretty much anything you can think of but these classes are like you know 15 20 bucks each right yeah but it's it's incredible what uh what you can get from the internet nowadays yeah and it's you know i mean college still serves its purposes for the things that it serves yeah i don't i don't want people to think <laughs> that i'm like trying to tell kids not to go to school right go to college kids you know but it is uh it is definitely a, a great asset for people that are, you know just want to pick something up like for you for example if you're doing this podcast and you know you don't need to like go to school to do this you right. just need to be able to google the right thing but even you know let's say even if you are going to college like Jump on YouTube. If you don't understand how your professor's telling it, there's a thousand videos on YouTube that are going to tell you in a different way with examples. Like, it's so easy to learn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've, I've definitely been learning a lot. Um, I've been working on the full Adobe suite. Mm-hmm. So just learning After Effects and Photoshop and all that fun stuff. Um, so far, I've just been winging it and getting by. <laughs> but I need, to start, uh, I need to start doing, like, actual classes for it. Yeah, that's, I mean, when I first started doing photography, um, I was the same way, like, I knew just enough Photoshop to basically, like, clean up an image just enough that I'm like, yep, that's passable, let's get that out and everything. (laughs) And now, like, I do, I do concert photography, I do weddings and all sorts of stuff for my photography side. And it's like, you know, if I would have told myself 12 years ago, or, you know, 15 years ago, that you're going to get to the point where, like, you're actually creating art out of your images, I'd be like, nah, it's not for me. I just want to take a picture, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I've, I mean, my poor fiance, I've been like forcing him to take photos of me. <laughs> you know, there's only, there's only so much content that you can create, I think, in quarantine. So I've been kind of coming up with these like really clever, um, like photo shoot ideas, just like within our apartment walls. And right. he's been shooting it and I've been having fun editing and, and trying to make everything look 
like a magazine cover. <laughs> right, right. So uh, speaking of, you know, being locked in quarantine and coming up with content, you just recently, I believe it was over the last few days, um, came up with that Instagram filter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I actually, I worked with a, uh, a visual artist to do that. Um, I'll have another filter coming out for the next single as well. Uh, but I worked with... Let me grab her name really quick. Yeah. She, on Instagram, it, her name is Bruce Lee. Okay. B-R-U-C-E-L-E-I-G-H. Okay. Um, and she is an incredible artist, uh, incredible visual artist. Um, and I partnered up with her to make these filters, and that was the first one was the honey one. And seems like people like it so far, which yeah. is cool. Yeah, it, it's pretty cool. Uh, for anybody listening, all you have to do is jump over to, to the Instagram for Luna, and it's right there on the, um, the main page. You can select the filters and everything. So. Yes, it's right next to the IGTV section. Right, right. So we'll be sure that we've got your links and everything for that sort of stuff, too. But um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, you're kind of unique in a sense that uh, you do some of your own production. You do singer-songwriter stuff. Like, you kind of do a lot in-house. What's it like when you do have to reach out to someone, you know, having the knowledge that you have? Like, is there a point where you're just like, okay, this is out of my hands? Or, you know what I mean? Is it still very much a control thing? Um, well, yeah. Well, first and foremost, I always like to collaborate because I just don't trust myself. <laughs> <laughs> I have what you would call imposter syndrome. Yep. Um, which is that I don't think that I have any good ideas and that I don't understand why people like my music. And, you know, yeah. it's like, it's a whole thing. Um, so I like to collaborate with people because it, it, it kind of puts me in a room with someone where I can bounce ideas off of and not feel like, is this a good idea? I can't tell. Um, but yeah, no, for the most part, as far as like productions go, um, the actual engineering of the productions, I don't participate in, uh, but I do, you know, I do produce in kind of the, you know, Rick Rubin sense, right? right. <laughs> Where I like sit on the couch and I'm just like, oh, this is so blue, but we really need it to be pink right now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that obnoxious, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I I definitely have a full control over what is happening. Um, as far as the actual songwriting goes, I'm the only one who usually touches the lyrics unless I'm purposely writing with another top liner who. Yeah is there to to help write lyrics but um for the most part i tackle the melody and the lyrics and, the, and that's kind of like my thing yeah awesome and for this uh ep you worked with i'm gonna forget his name jt jt daily daily there we go yeah um he's produced quite a bit of of pretty memorable things or pretty you know noteworthy things what was it like working with him um, well, I was very nervous at first because I, you know, I was just kind of like doing my thing in the LA writing world, just like trying to, to find a cool producer to work with. And, um, I ended up walking into a session, uh, 
it was a sync writing session. So I, I write for sync as well. So for like TV and film and video games. Yeah. And uh, I remember I walked in and I was just like so sick of what our, our kind of like publishing company, so to speak, was telling us like they wanted or our sync company was telling us that they wanted. And I was just like, I don't want to give them that. I want to give them what I want to give them. Like, I feel bratty today. I want to write something bratty. <laughs> and so I wrote a song called Baby Be Cool. And it was this, like, very, it had, like, a lot of, like, Nine Inch Nails vibes, like, very industrial, heavy bass. Um, and that is what piqued the interest of JT. It was that song in particular. Um, and he told his manager to tell my manager that he wanted to work together. And walking into the sessions, working with him, obviously, I was, like, petrified because I am a huge fan of the work that he's done. And uh, it was another another situation where it's like, what am I doing here? <laughs> but um, he made me feel so comfortable. And he made me feel so safe. and and it really gave me the space to kind of say whatever it was that I wanted to say. And like, finally I was in a room where I felt like I was being listened to fully. Um, and he provided me that and, and that I, you know, attribute that to why these songs came out the way that they came out, you know, yeah. uh, it's definitely my best work I've ever done. And we did it together and, and he is just such a kind and genuine person um and he he has a way with female voices as well i mean he tends to work with a lot of women and uh he definitely has like the magic touch when it comes to that <laughs> because he you know he just like gets out of our way he just you know he doesn't right. like he's i feel like a lot of producers i've worked with can kind of just like stand in my way a little bit and so i was never able to like really go for it the way I wanted to um and he just didn't do that so I walked in really nervous but walked out feeling super confident and feeling like wow you know if someone like that you know can sit there with me and and make me feel like I'm doing this right then I must be doing it right you know yeah so I'm definitely a much more confident artist since writing with him which is it's amazing because you know I I suffer from the same thing you know especially when I finally went out on my own and whatnot because when i was writing for the bigger companies i was just the byline you know what i mean like there was no this is who josh is type of deal right. it was just this is the byline so you know i remember just thinking back to like the first warp tour that i did where it was truly me by myself i'm like i don't i don't belong here how did this happen like you know, and I, I remember um, there was one year I interviewed Shane Told from Silverstein, and I was the only one that signed up for press that day for him, and I got approved for it. And I'm like, why? I'm nobody. Like, why did I get approved? <laughs> but the same thing as, as what you were just saying for JT. Like, Shane and I had a great conversation. We, you know, shook hands, everything. After that, he and I still talk from time to time. Like, and it was just one of those so rewarding feelings that, like, somebody respected you on the same level that that you're supposed to be on yeah yeah well it's like it's it's like okay someone finally saw me the way that i see myself right because i think we worry so much um and this has to you know it's obviously a very common thing i think it happens to everyone um especially when you're 
in an industry where, you know, your product is, it's thrown out there and people judge it left and right, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it can be really scary, but, uh, it, it's nice when someone can look at you in the face and be like, no, you belong here. Like you belong here with me. Like you're not any different, you know? And, uh, I think as an artist or as a creative person to hear that from someone that you respect is, it means so much more than like a million people liking you, you know? Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, there's um, Gary Vaynerchuk does his whole podcast and things. He's real big on entrepreneurship, but he also talks a lot about um, kind of that self-image, self-awareness type situation. And he's made the same comment, like, who cares if a million people liked your photo on Instagram? If you're not happy with it yourself or you're not getting the recognition from the one or two people that you wanted it from, you're never going to be happy with it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I still struggle with that all the time. It's, I think it's just the kind of the uh, illness of the millennial as well. <laughs> <laughs> We're just like, why does no one like my photos online or this or that or um, my, mine aren't, aren't, they're not necessarily uh, insecurities about you know Instagram or anything like that. But I do right. definitely have insecurities about you know my project and wondering if people are gonna like it, if people are gonna think it's you know, cool, if it's cool enough for them to want to stick around and, and see more from me. Um, and that's, that's an insecurity that pops up all the time. But then, you know, you have moments where I release the song and, you know, stations are, are spinning it and it lands on a bunch of playlists and you're just kind of like, okay, well, fuck. All right. <laughs> like, yeah. All right. This is going well. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, Looking at your Spotify, you're a little over 40,000 uh, monthly listeners right now. So I, I don't think that's bad for, you know, only having a few songs out there currently. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a great thing. And I think it uh, I think it's just going to continue growing, hopefully. Um, one thing for sure is I don't have any expectations. <laughs> it's just right. like something something I'm, I've learned to not have uh, just in life, just in general. Uh, I, I think I, I just don't have any expectations. I, I just really want to focus on making music that I love and uh, making, you know, creative projects that I really care about and that I think speak for who I am as a person. And, you know, if it goes anywhere, it goes anywhere, you know, but if it doesn't, I, I don't really care because I, I love what I do. And um, as long as I can pay my bills doing it, then I'm a perfectly satisfied human being. <laughs> Yeah. And, and that's another thing that uh, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about is like, you know, he says he knows people that make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and they're miserable as shit because they hate what they do. But then you have people making, you know, $50,000 a year that are just the happiest people in the world because they truly love what they're doing. And I think it's important in music, especially to be that same way, because unfortunately it doesn't pay as well as it used to. Um, until you hit a certain point and i think it's all within the fan interaction and stuff you know i think there's been a big shift especially over the last few years with as much streaming and digital uh content you know getting more of a lift that way um you know a lot of people think that i streamed a, a bunch of their songs on spotify which is great don't get me wrong but that doesn't pay near what anybody thinks it pays. 
It doesn't, yeah, no, it doesn't fit, yeah, it pays nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Just a heads up. I mean, I think you can get up to, like, I think, like, 2 million streams pays, like, $5,000 or something ridiculous. Right. Like, yeah, I don't look to Spotify as a paycheck. Um, <laughs> Spotify's more of, like, kind of, like, a tastemaker thing, um, you know, playlists. You know, yeah. it, it's, it's like building fans. You can build fans very quickly on Spotify uh, through playlisting and, and all those sorts of things, but... Uh, very similar to like what I'm doing, I, I think it's really important for artists to not just create the music and just the visuals, but to also create an experience for people because nowadays it's almost like the music isn't enough. Um, and so like with, with all of these short stories that I'm doing, I'm doing that because I, I want that to be an extension of my creativity as an artist and, and be able to pr provide this kind of like world that my fans can really like sink into and and be involved with um because if if i'm building fans and if if i'm you know finding people that are going to want to support me i want them to have fun while they're doing it and, and feel like i care about what it is that i put out there for them yeah absolutely and i think you know especially with the quarantine time you know i was just telling a band the other day that i feel like this is going to be a really I hate to say neat experiment, but it kind of is a neat experiment where the artists that are constantly putting stuff out and engaging their fans, I think, are going to be the ones that, when music can start being live music again, um, you know, those those people that they've been interacting with for the last four, five, six months aren't going to hesitate to come out and see them, you know, because exactly. they, they've I mean, got that connection. Exactly, they're dying to do it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's really important to engage with with. I, I was it's so funny. I was just talking to my fiance about this yesterday. I was like, I don't care if I only get like two hundred likes on a post. Like that's two hundred people that I need to engage with. That I need to make sure that I'm like there to say hi and that I'm happy that they're there supporting me. Right. You know, it's so important to just engage, engage, engage because, like you said, like one day we're gonna be able to have live shows. And those people are going to be dying to come see you live. And that's where you make your money as an artist is in touring and yeah. in merch and, and that kind of stuff. So um, I'm lucky to, to have, you know, side projects that do well in the, in the sync world. Um, so I'm able to kind of make money in that sense. And I think that's something that not a lot of artists actually pay attention to either is that that's an opportunity that very much exists. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's so, I think about how many television shows and video games and movies that are constantly looking for music, and if you have something cool that's special that really captures a specific vibe, there's going to be a home for it out there somewhere, and people are willing to pay money for that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, look back at, um, they're remastering it now, but the original Tony Hawk Pro Skater, I mean, that soundtrack launched a lot of punk you know bands into kind of yeah, mainstream view incredible right yeah 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 so you know like you can land something as big as like a walmart commercial or uh you know or right. like an apple commercial and that could just skyrocket you know your band yeah i have a buddy his name's mc lars and he used to he still makes the joke that he's a uh, t-shirt salesman that happens to make music, you know, cause that's, yeah. that's where he makes his money is on, on the merch side of, of touring and whatnot. So. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, merch is the only thing. Don't sign crappy deals. 
Right. <laughs> Make sure you keep all of your merch. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, not to throw anybody under the bus, but years ago, uh, Victory Records got into that big lawsuit about royalties for merch and stuff like that because when they signed a band, they signed, like, an exclusive uh, merch deal, and Victory Records was doing all the screen printing and was taking, like, I don't remember the exact percentages, but it was like 80% of royalties off of their merch sales went straight oh to the record God. label. This and it's is like, the only thing that... <laughs> right, it's the only thing you're going to make money on, so we're yeah. going to take 80% of that money. Like, what? Uh, that's, that's another thing, too, is I, I think for artists, I think it's so important to remember that, you know, like, yes, that cookie looks very good right now. It seems like a good deal, right? but the cookie just gets bigger and bigger the farther you go. Yeah. So, you know, like don't sign your life away in the beginning. If you have something special and someone thinks it's special, then keep going with it. Cause you have the internet, you have all of these, you know, assets that, that you can use to build your own brand and build your own story at, without, you know, selling your soul to the devil. And then when people are interested, it's a totally different conversation. Now it's talking about, you know, being with a record label as a, as a partner, right. as opposed to like them controlling everything that you do. Yeah. And I think especially, you know, now in the digital age with Spotify and SoundCloud and all the other streaming services, like you can do so much on your own for free or next to nothing that eventually, you know, if you're doing it right, there's going to be, whether it's an independent label or a major, there's going to be record labels that are actually looking for you instead of you looking for them, and that changes the game entirely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you just, you never want to be, like, first to the party. Yeah. <laughs> you always want to be, like, fashionably late. <laughs> right, right. So, um, we know that the EP is coming out in October. Uh, we know we've got, a, you know, another single and, and more lyric videos and things like that. Um, end game for the end of 2020 is the plan just to to try to do as much as you can supporting the EP. Would you like to theoretically, if live music can come back by the end of the year, you know, are you going to run out and be one of the first ones in that? Yeah, I mean, as as soon as um it's safe to do shows again, I'm I'm definitely going to be doing shows. I'll probably end up doing uh an EP release party for this EP. Um probably in los angeles uh and yeah I, I mean i'm just releasing this music and releasing this visual art and and kind of considering the end of this year sort of a wash um mm -hmm. in the sense of just live performance and, and going beyond just like online presence um but i do want to release this music keeping in mind that there will also be other pieces of visual art that fans can access right. starting next year as well. Um, so this is just to kind of get it out there into the world and just be like, all right, here it is. And then slowly but surely, I kind of want to unveil the storylines and, and kind of the expanded, uh, expanded visual art yeah. that exists behind the music. Yeah, awesome. Any plans to do like um like Instagram live sessions or anything like that for people? Yes. Yeah, so I actually have one coming up on the 21st. Um it's called We Found New Music. Um it's 
it's like a like a new artist kind of platform okay. uh but I'll, I'll be doing like an acoustic performance for that but yeah we're definitely lining up more and more online shows um i want to do some that are more so creative you know right because then just like your interviews they tend to like just be the exact same thing over and over and over again yeah. um but yeah, if, yeah, fans can definitely expect me to be doing some sort of online show, um, even drive-in show, possibly. I don't know. Awesome. We're talking. We're, we're talking about it. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've not went to one of the drive-in shows yet, mainly because so far everything, at least here in Indiana, has been like country music, and I'm like, eh, I don't mind country <laughs> music, but no, like that's not what I want to do. <laughs> um, Plus, as a as a concert photographer, like I'm not gonna go to the drive-in show and shoot the the show on a screen. Like that's just not gonna happen. Right. Exactly. It's just it's not fun when you can't be right up there. Right, right up there. Yeah. Right. right. Which, which I totally understand. Yeah. I can't imagine playing to a bunch of cars. <laughs> right. Like what is that? That just sounds so bizarre. It. I mean, sadly, it's probably our our new i hate this term the new normal at least for a little bit will be something like that where it's right. parking lot shows and things like that have you seen what the uk is doing for festivals uh they've they've got those weird little like six foot apart stanchion things don't they yeah yeah i thought that was kind of interesting yeah there's i think there's some potential with that yeah definitely yeah but knowing us americans you know people be jumping off and yeah hanging no, out we're, we're getting you know, drunk and everybody's just co-mingling again, yeah. <laughs> America. <laughs> you know, I I don't want to get into it too much, and and we don't have to, but like, talk about shitting the bed, right? Like, I mean, we saw <laughs> we saw what was wrong with everybody else. We knew what to do, and we still shit the bed with the whole thing. Oh Lord! I mean, I would like to say I'm surprised, but I'm not. Yeah, no, I'm not at all. <laughs> no, I mean we we live in a uh, we live in a society that you know puts a lot of emphasis on individualism. Mm -hmm. You know, like me, 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 my things, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I think it really shows in moments like this where we need to kind of start coming together and work as a team. Um, it definitely shows where we're bleeding out from, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. would agree with that. Um, so I think that's everything that I've got for you, except I do like to close out with uh, one or two kind of fun questions before I let you plug everything. Okay, um, cool. So we talked earlier before I actually started the episode a little bit about your love for horror movies and, and scary movies and things like that. So I'm going to say if you got to replace the lead actress in any horror movie, what movie would you want to be in? Oh, okay. So I would get to replace the actress. Yes. Oh, does it have to be an actress? No, it could be a dude. Okay, cool. Um, oof, that's a hard one. I am gonna go with a female actor, <laughs> an actor actress. Um, uh, Rosemary's Baby. Ooh. Yes. Solid choice. The original, that's or did they? Didn't they do like the a really crappy remake of it? I hope they never remake that movie because it's perfect just the way it is. <laughs> I feel uh, like maybe they didn't actually make it. Maybe they were in the talks, but I feel like there was talks at least of a of a remake. I really hope not. Can we just not do that? <laughs> Please don't ruin it for me. <laughs> um, 
No, I, Rosemary's Baby is my favorite horror movie. I love it. Yeah. And I would love to replace Mia Farrow and also have the haircut that she has in that film. Yeah, solid choice. Solid choice. <laughs> uh, so then the second one is going to be music-related, but still fun. If you got to form a super group with, I'm going to say, four other artists, who would be in your super group? Who would be in my super group? Oh, my God, that's such a good question. Okay. Dead or alive? Yeah, dead or alive. Doesn't matter? Nope. Okay. Uh, Janis Joplin, for sure. Yep. Uh, Gwen Stefani. Mm-hmm. Um, oof, God. How big can my band be? <laughs> <laughs> I guess as big as you want. How, how long do you want to go? <laughs> okay. Um, hmm. uh, Donald Glover. As childish Gambino. Right. Yep. Um, Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, one more. Oh, Mr. Rogers. Okay. Yeah. He's just that he's got that sweet old man singing voice that we need, you yeah. know? Yeah. We need that energy sometimes let when him... we're doing like, the ballads. Yeah, let him come out and kind of croon a little bit and then. Then you yeah, all jump just, in on that, yeah. He just like puts on his shoes while he's singing his dad's song. <laughs> right. I would love that. Yeah, I'd be so. And sick. I wouldn't even be in the band. I would. I would be like just a groupie of the band. <laughs> <laughs> Solid. Solid. All right. So for the last few minutes or however long it takes you, um, go ahead and let's start plugging everything. You know, all your socials. We'll link all those too. But you know, where can people find you? What do you want them to know? Things like that. Um, yeah, you can uh, find me on Instagram at it's Luna Aura. Um, I'm usually the most active on there as far as, you know, socials goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then LunaAuraMusic.net is my website. Um, and then I'm just Luna Aura on Spotify and everything. Amazon, uh, YouTube, all, all of all of the above awesome Awesome. yeah so we'll definitely link all that we'll also have in the description of the podcast a uh, link for the pre-save and everything for the new ep um again called three cheers for the american beauty um october 2nd for the the release date i'm really excited about it um you know the songs that that we've heard so far off of it i think are are really solid i think it's a pretty unique sound for the the music landscape right now and i think you've got something as long as it uh as long as you focus on it like you're you're talking and i think it's it's got a lot of potential thank you so much i I really appreciate that yeah i'm I'm excited to uh release the next single and uh get this ep out i i think the whole ep as a whole definitely uh definitely is is a great piece of art that i'm very proud of and I'm just excited. I just want to get it out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was just telling somebody the other day, you know, um, the band Slaves just released their new album. and Love them. Yeah. So they, they released Love. like eight of the songs as singles before the album came out, though. And my buddy was like, well, haven't we basically heard it? I'm like, no, we haven't heard them in order. And the order matters. All right. Like, there's a reason that they're in that order. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's, uh, mine's, you know, mine's not too deep like that. Right. <laughs> it does, it, it catches a vibe, you know? Yeah. It's got, it's got dynamics to it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. But like I said, I can't wait. We'll definitely, uh, you know, pump as much out for you as we can as well, you know, promoting everything, um, as, as this all progresses, but 
it's been a great time talking to you. Uh, you know, obviously stay safe and hopefully live music can come back and you can visit Indiana for the first time ever and, yes, and play I a show. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah, I would love that. Thank you so much. It's been a very thoughtful interview. I appreciate you, yeah. um, you know, doing what you do. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, thanks again. Um, you know, we'll talk soon, I'm sure. We'll, we'll figure some stuff out as the EP comes out and things like that and, and do what we can to help you promote. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. It's been very fun. Awesome. Thanks. All right. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was my conversation with Luna Aura. Um, again, just super fun. Um, I don't know if you guys caught the same feeling uh, as I did, you know, while I was talking to her, but she's got such great energy. Um, she is just, I don't know, like very positive, you know, and um, while talking to her, it was just she exudes this energy um that is really contagious and i think like i said there towards the end of the interview um as long as she you know is focused on this and is is putting as much effort in it as she is now i think it's sky's the limit for her um you guys definitely need to start checking her out now uh as i said there at the end as well we're going to have links in the description of the podcast for all of her social medias. Uh, we will have links for the pre-save, um, her website. If you jump over to our website for the podcast post, uh, there will be a YouTube video for Honey in there. Um, and yeah, it, it was a lot of fun talking to her. This EP, I think, has all kinds of potential and I think you guys are really going to enjoy it you know I I highly encourage you head over to her Spotify check out her music follow her on Instagram she's super active on there um, and I think you guys will again enjoy the content she produces it's it's very uh, energetic and she does a lot of stuff that is very artistic and she's as we talked about in the episode here you know she's learned a lot of this stuff through quarantine out of necessity and with youtube videos and all sorts of stuff that way um to provide content for her fans and you know new listeners and um we're definitely fans she's uh made the weekend waves playlist once already so we'll see as new music comes out, if uh, she can make it again, um, I pretty much have no doubt that she will make it again. That's everything I've got for that conversation. Uh, real quick, though, I do want to give a little plug to to our site. Uh, if you head over to youmakethescene.com today, August the 26th, and at noon we will be dropping our new merch drop. So because of COVID, we didn't really get to do the summer release that we wanted to do. We revamped some designs and things like that. Um, it's a much smaller drop than we were originally going to do. But we do have some new merch designs that are going up today at noon Eastern on youmakethescene.com slash shop. Um, 
as always, follow the podcast, like, subscribe, all that sort of stuff. Share it with your friends. Uh, follow us on social media. Facebook and Instagram are where we're the most active. Um, and all that stuff really helps us to, you know, bring you guys more and more um, interviews that you want to want to check out. Um, for the month of September, too, I'll go ahead and announce this. For the month of September, uh, we'll still have the weekly Wednesday drop with different artists. Um, September is National Suicide Prevention Month. We're definitely putting a focus on it. And each weekly interview on Wednesdays, there's going to be some conversation about mental health and, and self-care, which we honestly normally do in a lot of our interviews anyway. But we are working on lining up some bonus material for you guys that'll probably drop on like Fridays or Saturdays. Um, but, you know, we'll see how many we get and everything. But we will have some bonus episodes that are specifically about self-care um, and kind of that mental health field, if you will, when it comes to, especially with the, the current climate that we're in, taking care of yourself so that you don't have as much of that feeling um, as maybe you do now. So it's super important to us. We're glad that you guys are all here, that you're all listening. Um, and yeah, that's, that's going to be everything for this week. We are going to take you out with a sample of Honey by Luna Aura off the new EP, Three Cheers for the American Beauty, that drops on October the 2nd. Remember, guys, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.